Welcome to the Witty Committee. I'm Claire. And I'm still chewing. Um, I'm, and I'm Courtney. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm so sorry to our listeners. Uh, and well, and this is the Witty Committee. This week we are reading Wicked, the fifth book in Sarah Shepard's Pretty Little Liar series. But before we get started, Claire, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you've been reading, watching, or doing outside the podcast this week? You know, I wish I had a really good answer for you, and I don't. So instead, I'm going to give you the honest answer. And that is that I've been watching episodes of Call the Midwife in clips on TikTok and not on TV, (laughs) but um, pretty much exclusively just watching them on TikTok. I don't have any brain power to do really anything anymore. And uh, it's this daggum baby. But the show is really, it's like very heartwarming and like, most of the time has a happy ending and it's basically like these nurses and nuns helping in like the 1940s. I don't know the premise because I'm only watching like what it's basically they like, you know how TikToks like they'll take out like one story arc out of a larger show and they'll like show you just clips of that story arc and they do it for like Chicago med and like Grey's Anatomy and Things like that. But I've just been watching the Call the Midwife ones and also some Grey's Anatomy ones. But I generally know more about Grey's Anatomy than I do about this other show. So that's what I've been doing with my time. Um, It's been time consuming. It's been, I don't know, it's been helpful. I just need things that are like lighthearted. Um, But I've been trying to find good book recommendations of things that are not going to be too brain sucking. Um, So if anybody has anything that they've read recently that is worth me taking a look into, please, nothing dark or difficult uh, or challenging. I've got plenty of those on my TBR. I just can't do it right now. So let me know, though. I'm very intrigued. But Courtney, what about you? What have you been reading, watching, doing outside the podcast? So last night, I still really want to watch, you know that movie, uh, Now You See Me? The Jesse Eisenberg, where yes. he's a magician who yes. steals things. I saw that it was on YouTube movies for free okay, uh, with ads, but then I th- couldn't find it. So instead, I watched The Hustle, which is an Anne Hathaway, Rebel Wilson heist movie, kind of like con artisty movie. I was looking at a really con artisty kind of vibe, and that had okay. been on my to-watch list for a while. And I watched it, and it was bad. I did not <laughs> like it. I don't like it. Doesn't Anne Hathaway have an accent in that? She has many accents, many Ooh. different accents as part of her con. Um, mm. So does she? I was like, do an, a, it's, a good accent? Any of them? Well, there. I think I like. So her overall character does an American accent, a British accent, a German accent, and I want to say also a French accent. I the American one is obviously quite good because she is American. Um, the German one, I can't tell you if it's good or not because I don't know many like German, German people. The British one is not good. And I kept waiting for her to drop that and like for that to be the last reveal. That like, oh, she was never British or maybe she was. Ooh, it's all a con. But like, we never really got that. Ugh, bummer. I do think she's supposed to be like maybe a lesbian though. And I'm not sure. Okay. Well, uh, Courtney does not recommend The Hustle there so um 
if anyone has any other good con movies to share with her, I don't know, maybe like an Oceans situation. Although I, I hear they are rebooting Oceans. I did hear uh, that too. Prequel. Yes, which I'm intrigued by. Um, I I like Oceans like as a franchise. I think it's generally pretty successful. Although the Oceans Eight, I think Anne Hathaway. I I like Anne Hathaway in a lot of roles, but I think that that was another role that she just like. It felt like a weird couple of years for her. She did that. She was in um, the role Doll reboot of The Witches. Um, and that she did another weird accent for. I just don't think she's much of an accent person. I don't. And know. that's fine. Yeah, like, you, you don't, don't have to do accents. Yeah, you don't have to like be that kind of actress. You can do so many other things, and she's so skilled in so many other ways. I'd like to see her do a different role. Also, like she's been serving looks recently, so like Slay Anne. Oh, absolutely. But. Interesting choice. I'm also not a huge Rebel Wilson fan, uh, seeing as how she is a horrible representation for fat people in Hollywood. Anyone who is a former fat person in Hollywood and is like, does the shitty stuff that she does about it, like, you suck. Um, So there's my opinions on that. Uh, But I would say, so Courtney and I last book, we read book 4.5, which was Pretty Little Secrets, which was a retcon. Um, which you can tell. And then something that we've been talking about is how that these books have been updated. I think they gave up after the first four books because this book was not updated at all. Uh, the girls are still Oh, you using- mean like how in one scene, Twitter, uh, Mike is Twittering on his iPhone. Right. Uh, there's like the rare, there's, Hannah still uses a Blackberry. Emily has a Nokia. And like, they're using these names of these phones like they're supposed to mean something to us, which like they do to us, but- they may, may not to an average reader. And they still have the reference to the old rumor that Allie started about Lucas that is just not worth sharing. But it felt less jarring because of the pop culture. Ref- I, I kind of want to know what they would have updated the pop culture references to in this one, because there's a lot specifically for Emily, who I didn't realize was such a big music person until this book. Yeah, my number, my like top characterizations of Emily, swimmer, lesbian, uh, strict parents, poor, uh, superstitious. I'd say poor question mark because I don't, I think she would be the the least wealthy out of these girls, but is definitely in no way, ways like starving. Um, yeah, she's not like impoverished, but she does share a room with her sister. So sure. But they are, her parents also have four kids, which... I don't know. Anyway, uh, this book, we re-enter the girls have started school after Christmas. There's some plot inaccuracies with the retconned book. I'm just going to ignore them. Um, So if you're reading along with us, please feel free to ignore them as well. Uh, We are leading up in this book to a couple of events at the end of the week. This book takes the place over just a week. Um, on Thursday evening of this week, it is Ian Thomas's arra- arraignment. No, the arraignment already happened. The beginning of his trial. Um, I should know what that is because both my parents are attorneys, but I forget what it's called. Uh, all the girls are expected to be at the trial and Spencer and Melissa are both expense- expected to testify. Um, 
Another event that's happening at the end of the week is an, a Rosewood Day fundraiser being held by the Hastings family, which is an interesting thing because one of the first events that happens during this book is that, well, Spencer has admitted to uh, plagiarizing her Golden Orchid essay and has been basically excommunicated from every single thing that she's done. Like, she gets kicked off of uh, the student council. She gets kicked out of the winter play. She gets asked to step down as um, head of yearbook. Basically, nobody wants anything to do with her anymore, which is interesting to me that they would publicize that her her plagiarism that highly for something that like wasn't even really related to the school. Like the Golden Orchid is like a national organization, but basically like Spencer is shameful and disgusting again. Yeah, I think it's probably like if this award is so big that everyone who gets it goes on like national television the way they try and make it seem and she clearly was going to win it like they probably contacted her school to be like hey spencer is going to be the one who wins it and then she does not win it then they're like okay well only one thing could have happened so she's going to turn it down and then she probably since this is a private school signed some sort of honor code right about that plagiarism so uh but it's interesting that they the Hastings are throwing this fundraiser for that reason, but also because Nana Hastings dies. She's dead. Uh, and so she... We never got to meet the slut. We never got to meet her, despite all her boyfriends. Um, I'm sad. R.I.P. Nana. But she passes away and then i think like tuesday afternoon they they go to read her will which is like a really quick will reading but in the will she leaves two million dollars to each of her natural born grandchildren which are spencer's cousins and melissa and not spencer which like and one of spencer's cousins is named smithson smithson the names are stupid his name is smith hastings that's dumb Smithson uh, Hastings is his well, full yeah, but, first name. Yes. Smith but, is just a nickname. Yes. Um, so Spencer is like, oh my God, what does that mean? And then Melissa me- Melissa tells her that it means she's adopted. There's no founding in that. Melissa is like being nice to Spencer in this book, but I feel like it's so suspicious to me because the whole yeah, time she's Melissa just- Melissa very suspicious. Yeah. I-, I feel like she's trying to get Spencer to stop, to say that she won't testify against Ian. But she never. And she immediately tries to manipulate her by yeah. being like, oh, yeah, well, now Ian's mom is in the hospital with pancreatic cancer, which was brought on by the stress of him going into the trial. And I like, look, stress does do crazy things to your bodies, but it doesn't give you cancer. cancer. Well, it, maybe over time, cortisol, cortisol levels can raise cortisol levels. Can We don't know about that, but like acute stress from an event is not going to give you cancer. It could give you a heart attack, um, but not cancer. But anyway, Ian gets released on bail, or not on bail, on house arrest because his mother's dying. Not suspicious at all. Uh, Melissa is still working on her sister. Um, and Spencer's now like, maybe I was adopted. And so then she enlists the help of Andrew Campbell, her arch rival, and she tells who is very obviously in love with her. Which still, we've known for despite books. Despite the way yeah. that she treated him in the well, she, Foxy dance. Well, she still like treats him like every time she thinks about him, she's like, he must be so happy that he gets to like be in charge of uh, the whole student body council now without. And I'm like, this man has never been mean to you. 
ever. Like, what the hell? Um, yeah, also, I don't think she understands that, like, people need vice presidents and, like, other committee members. You can't just, like, run everything like a tyrant. So he's probably not happy that he now has more work to do. Right, exactly. And and he just seems to genuinely care about her because, like, he's offering to tutor her and, like, help her with econ homework. And when they're doing that, he's, like, asking her, like, hey, you seem kind of checked out. Is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, you know, but, like, with this trial thing is a lot. And then I've had a lot of family stuff going on and the Golden Orchid. And then my grandma just died. And he's like, wait, like, your grandma died? Like, that's, like, a ton of – he's immediately, like, there to help her. And I am and I just don't understand why these girls in these books can't, like, look at the, the age-appropriate love interests as actual interests. I don't disagree. I do think that people should be looking at more age-appropriate interests. But also, to be fair, they have now just had like four or five months of extreme gaslighting and abuse Trauma. by someone yeah. who like they thought was their friend. And now they're like, oh, why don't you trust me that I would be wanting to help you? Of course, I'm not going to trust you. I don't trust anybody. No, uh, it's yeah, it's more than just annoyance on my part. But Andrew helps her sign up for this website that helps reunite possibly adopted kids with their birth parents. And so he signs her up for this and she's like <laughs> all gung ho about it. Um, still ignoring him. And then the night before the trial starts, she's home alone. And Ian apparently sneaks out of like gets past the cops who are, keeping him on house arrest to go visit Spencer to ask her not to like to tell basically to tell her he didn't do it. Yeah. He's like, I have evidence and I'm going to go get it tomorrow. And I can't tell you what it is because I need to get it first, but I didn't do it and I'm going to prove it. And she's like, you're a crazy person. I'm calling the police. Yeah. like, you- And then he runs away into the woods. Yeah. Anyway, that's what happens with Spencer this week. Um, <laughs> We had mentioned Emily before and how I was intrigued by her interest in music. There's another interesting thing that happens to Emily this week, and that is that she discovers the possibility of being a bisexual, which yeah, is an option. Yeah, sure. Woo! <laughs> Seriously. It's like, it's she's finally come to terms with the fact that she's gay. She's a lesbian. Uh, her family is, like, into it, too. But she, like, was such a shit to Maya for so long that like they're obviously broken up but she kind of doesn't really know what to do with her time she's really unsatisfied with swimming still which I don't know why they just won't let her quit she just doesn't want to do it like just let her quit but whatever um her I don't mom know I think also like if she's not doing swimming then what is she doing she True. needs something to occupy her time and her mind otherwise she's just gonna sit in her bedroom and watch and the L word. And cry about Allie, which is what she does in yeah. the beginning. Um, she has to cry about Allie. So at the beginning, they all have this new shared group therapist who has them bury items that remind them of Allie to, like, finally put her to rest. So Emily gives up this coin purse Allie had gotten her. There's a picture of Allie from this one day where they all see her announce that she's going to steal a piece of the I did not flag for this the time capsule yeah. thing. So I think the time capsule thing is going to come into play later because there's going to be something hidden in a time capsule that's going to be revealed. But so at, le- at the lower school starting in sixth grade gets challenged to find hidden pieces of the Rosewood day flag, which are hidden by the seniors. Um, 
or like upperclassmen students. And Allie's basically like, I already know where a piece is going to be hidden because my brother told me. And then Ian Thomas is like, well, not if someone takes it from you first. And then Allie's like, well, they're going to have to kill me to get it. And then Ian's like, well, maybe someone will. And then now every girl is like looking back on that interaction being like, oh my God, he threatened to kill her. And I'm like, no, he, that's not what he did. Yeah. Uh, Ian also, when he talks to Spencer, is like, tries to be like, Allie was never as into it as I was. And I was like, that's not a good thing to say. That's Yeah, I'm like, that doesn't make you look better. It makes you look like you harassed an underage girl. Yeah. Ugh. Ick. But um, Emily's having flashbacks about this day, but she's also trying to occupy herself with something else. So her mom invites her to a church fundraiser at their church, which is called Holy Trinity. And she goes. And Holy Trinity apparently also has a school which, okay. Um, and there's a band from the school playing at this fundraiser. And the boy in the band is really cute. <laughs> and he's the most nondescript sounding person ever. He's got like blondish brownish hair and like bluish eyes. And he's like I was so confused because his name is Isaac. Yes. And he's blondish. Yes. And he's tall and he's a boy. Uh-huh. And then we've got Ian who is also a boy and also has blondish hair. Right. So, like, you want to tell me there are two different blonde boys who have eye-starting names? names? Sarah Shepard, please. Go on babynames.com. Go to Nameberry. Please. Watch those baby name influencers. Yeah. you it, Get on my Instagram and you can get all the baby name influencers. <laughs> They're all over my Instagram reels right now. Um, but Isaac also takes – Isaac and Emily – like meet eyes as he's performing on stage and they're performing a cover of her favorite Avril Lafine song. <laughs> yeah. Emily's literally so depressed. She's going to kill herself. Like that's uh, why she can't quit swimming. Yeah, I guess the Avril Lavigne stuff, but um, he gets off stage and he like goes to talk to her and there's a bunch of girls from Holy Trinity there who are like, Isaac's so hot. Is he single? And he, instead he goes to talk to Emily and asks her on a date and she says, yes. And she's like, oh, did I just say yes to a date with a boy? And I'm like, girl, you're bi. Like, that is a thing. It is okay. She's having like- Yeah, it's not Emily's fault that her first boyfriend, Ben, was a douche. Oh my God. And continues to be one. Like, he's just gross. Uh, So she goes on a sledding date with Isaac. And like, it goes really well. And he kisses her. And she's like, I'm all confused now because I like this. (sighs) Anyway. Isaac seems like a nice guy. He likes to sled. He is an only child. He wishes he had siblings. Um, he's really into music. He like texts her song lyrics that remind him of her. He seems wow, like a how nice... seventeen year old boy. Yeah, but like in a nice way. And it's sure. you know cute. And then they go on like, a date. I think it's cheesy, but I should think it's cheesy. He's a teenager. Exactly. Um, which is a better comparison than many of the other men in this book specifically, but. Uh, they go on a date the next night to like a Chinese restaurant. And while they're there, Maya shows up and like introduces herself and is like, oh, are you on a date? Ha ha. Ha ha. Isn't that a joke? And the main like conflict here is that Emily has not told Isaac that she has experimented with girls. um, And she's worried that because they met at church, he would like dump her if he found out. And that's what I'm challenged by this because like on one hand, Yes, you should be absolutely come out whenever you feel right. most comfortable, if ever. Like, you do not have to come out and, like, no one should make you feel uncomfortable like that and everything. But in the 
Pretty Little Liars verse. Someone's going to text him. Exactly. He, how does he not going to see? He probably read, like, he's in the same town. So is he not reading the newspaper articles or, like, watching TV and seeing on the news that, like, there was a girl who stalked these four chicks in high school and, like, harassed them about their secrets. Oh, what's yeah. Emily's secret? Oh, maybe they weren't publicized because they're minors, but maybe. I don't know. It's still, I'm just like, he's going to find out. And it not even this was nefarious ways, but, like, was pre the era of Yik Yak. So there wasn't, like, somewhere that they could go and anonymously spill <laughs> Emily's secret. Do you imagine A on Yik Yak? Wild. Yeah, it's a good thing you could never post pictures on Yik Yak. Yeah, that would have been bad. Um... But basically, Maya shows up and Emily runs out and he's like, wait, did you freak out because I told her it was a date? And she was like, no. And actually, can you come with me to the fundraiser tomorrow night? I'd really like it if you came as my date because she really likes him, which is like not a huge deal. But this whole time she's been getting texts harassing her about her secret homosexuality that is not so secret because her entire school knows about it. Uh, But by new A, there's a new A. Which I have not mentioned yet. I feel like if you don't know that at this point, then like, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Like the books continued. So of course there's a new A. Um, and they've already told the police about the new A. And the police are like, it's just a copycat. It's not a big deal. It's not Ian. Even though Spencer's like, it's Ian. Um, and they're trying to tell like the girls not to worry about it. That obviously doesn't work. Um Basically, yeah, so that's Emily's storyline. Do you want to talk about Hannah or uh, Aria next before we, we get talk to the about party? Aria? Because Aria's is going to be quick because it pisses me off. Aria. Aria really kind of pisses me off in this book, honestly. And I don't think it's her fault. I think it's like, I have to assume that they got a ghostwriter when they started this new quartet, but like, they really mischaracterized so. her. I don't think so. But basically, Aria is also moping at home. She's moping for a lot of reasons. One of which is that Ezra is still not like ta- reached out to her, but he did say a few years until he was going to reach out again. But her mom is like, you know what? I don't have any, I, I don't, I don't have anything to do this Sunday night. Why don't you go to this or I can't go, but you go to this art o- opening on the Sunday night by yourself. So you can get out of the house. And her mom and her have like really mended their relationship and they're back in a better place. And she's going to help her mom get ready for her first date on i think like monday night um and so aria goes to this art opening and when she's at this opening it's all these very like erotic abstract paintings that are like possibly phallic or nipples and she's trying to like pretend to be interested in it and uh this man this like cute man guy comes up to her and is like Oh, I wonder what they were thinking of when they were painting this one, which is like very obviously of a nipple. And she's trying to be like all existential about it. And he's like, I think it was just about, I think it's just a boob. And it turns out that this is this, the artist, his name is Xavier Reeve. And she was like, oh, I'm going to leave him a little hint that I think he was cute. And like, I'll be thinking about him and this cute older guy who's like, he asks before she doesn't get to tell him that she's still in high school, but she like also isn't going to, she's going to do the, I'm still in school thing again, like pretending she's at Hollis, which obviously worked so well with Ezra. But it, as she helps her mom get ready for her date the next night, uh, she goes downstairs early to let the guy in. And it turns out that the date that her mom's her 40 year old mother is going on is with Xavier. Who's 34. 
Double her age. Disgusting. Double her age. It is. It's the worst we've gotten. It's so gross. And. And like, don't tell me that you don't know what a 34 year old man looks like. Like, come on, Arya. You know what a 34 year old man looks like. Yeah. Imagine your dad, but a little bit younger. Yeah. Like, so then the date goes really well. And this guy, Xavier, basically, like, moves into their life, which I don't understand why it goes so quickly. Because then the next night after the date, they, like, go out to dinner as, like, a family with Xavier. Yeah, I found that very – like, I understand that Ella and Byron are very progressive and modern. And they're like, oh, call me by my first name. I don't want us to feel unequal. But, like – do not introduce your children to your new boyfriend that you've been on one date with. That is so inappropriate. Regardless, no. I just... So they go out to dinner, and while they're at dinner, Mike goes to the bathroom, and uh, Ella goes to, like, Ella goes to the bathroom. And so then Xavier draws Arya, and she thinks that it's like flirtatious, and then she gets a text from A that's like, oh, I can see, and it's literally pictures of them at the restaurant, so like, someone is following her, following her, not just reading diaries about her, so she gets really freaked out and she leaves. And then later on in the week, Xavier's power goes out, so Ella tells him he can like hang out at their place, and he ends up having a pillow fight with Arya and kissing her! Yeah, and then she freaks out and runs upstairs and is like, obviously, she locks herself in a room. She's like, I'm not dealing with this, which is like, she's trying. She's literally removing her. She's like, ew, get off me. And she pushes him off. And then she goes upstairs because she's like, I'm not going to tear apart my family again, which is kind of the wrong mentality, wrong reason for dismissing it. But like, sure. uh, Okay. However, you get to the correct solution. Uh so she leaves. And Mike the entire time is like, why aren't you accepting Xavier into our lives? You're being such a dick. And I'm like, Mike, can you stop, please? Okay, you don't understand what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and it like, I agree with you where it's like, it's so weird that her reasoning is that she doesn't want to upset her mother again by like stealing her boyfriend, I guess. Not that she is like, this is wrong and this man is a perv. Um, so... That is what happens with Arya for most of the week. Although later on, Xavier, should we finish the Xavier plotline? I feel like we can. Uh, do you want to just like get to the party? Yeah, we can get to the party. Um, we, we have to start with Hannah. Hannah's is not very interesting. Hannah's dad makes her hang out with Kate, which she then decides to do. And then Kate makes her hang out with Naomi and Riley. Other, Riley. And then they they all start ruling the school again. And as they're doing that, she's realizing that, like, she is too cool for Lucas, the boy who, like, has stuck with her through all this shit. Um, and she starts being, like, really bitchy to Lucas again. And Kate is, like, nice to her for most of this. Suspicious. Suspiciously. Um but this whole time, someone is a is texting Hannah saying that someone is lying to her, and she doesn't she can't figure out who. So she thinks it's Kate, obviously, um, and she thinks that Kate conspired with Mona when Mona was a to like get information on Hannah. 
Um, and this totally, like, not that I, I'm really caught between a rock and a hard place because, like, it gets to the point where Hannah's father and Lucas are both like, you're acting crazy. Yeah. I can't believe you're acting so crazy about Kate. And I'm like, her very best friend in the whole world, her one best friend, stalked her for months and harassed her and then hit her with her car. And then died. I'm sorry if she's a little suspicious of people. And then she died. So I'm sorry if she's a little suspicious of people. Hannah's dad was in the running for being worst adult mm. in this book. Xavier took over. But uh, if I could just read the little quotey quote. Go of, for it. Let me see if I can find it. Because sometimes my iPad likes to do this thing where it like doesn't tell me where the quotes are. Um, let me see. I'll just search Annapolis. Is it one N or two? I think it's two. A-N-N-A-P-P-O-L-I-S. There, Google Auto filled it. Good. Oh, so Hannah's father says, listen, this fall has been terrible for you. Understatement of the year. Oh, my God. I and saw I know this. testifying <laughs> testifying at Ian's trial on Friday must be creating stress for you. Again, understatement of the year. And I realized that Kate and Isabel moving here was a little abrupt. But Hannah, this is a huge life change for Kate. What? She abandoned her friends in Annapolis. Oh, friends who didn't try and hit her with their car to move here. And you've barely spoken to her. Yeah, because she tried to frame her for dealing Percocets. Crazy. Uh, you need to start treating her like family. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Yeah, no. Hannah's dad sucks. Um, Kate, like, doesn't suck that bad in this book, though. Like, I feel like she sucks less than in other books. She does try and trick Hannah into saying something really nasty. So when Kate is trying to convince Hannah that they can be friends, she's like, I really appreciate like us hanging out because I, you know, I was cold to you because I was going through a relationship thing back in Annapolis and it gave me like a health problem. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And so Hannah jumps to the conclusion that Kate, that Kate, has, Kate herpes. has herpes. She's like, my mom knows about it, but your dad doesn't. So like, could we just not talk about it? And so then later on, when we're at the party, Hannah, who is fueled on anxiety and paranoia, is trying to avoid Kate, but then is like confronted by her and Riley and Naomi. And is eventually just like, Kate has herpes. Which causes Lucas, who is there, to then break up with her because he's like, that's not a nice thing to do. And you're a nasty mean girl. I don't disagree. That's the thing. She was a nasty mean girl in this book. She was mean, but, like, why do you think she's – like, I feel like I am oftentimes in this podcast, like, nasty mean girl apologist, but, like, why do you think she's acting that way? No, I totally get it, but it's just as, like – yeah, she ruined it for herself. Yeah, I just – it's not Lucas's responsibility to, like, therapize No, it's not. Hannah and, and be like, hey, you need to get – like, he's a teenage boy. He's a teenage boy. But, like, you could have some sympathy for why your girlfriend, who was like that for years – is kind of reverting back to the way that she was when she's under extreme stress. No, I think that's fair. But I also, I understand where Lucas is coming from because that is nasty. I also like, it pisses me off watching Lucas like be nice to Hannah and like be there for her. And then because we like get to see what she's thinking and the whole time she's like, he's just not as cool. And like, I'm like, you suck. Like, and I remember thinking like this when I was a 17 year old, thinking that this shit mattered. It doesn't. But Ultimately, that is what happens with Hannah. Uh, yeah, and it's not like he's not trying either. Like, no. she's like, oh, I don't really like the way that Lucas dresses. So then she tries to take him to the mall to go get new clothes. And he's, and like, he excited about yeah. it. And then she ditches him so that she can go to the mall, but with Naomi and Riley and Kate. 
And she's like, well, I just don't want him tagging along. And I'm like, I get you want to do like girl time, but that's not really what she's doing. She's doing a different, meaner thing. And I'm like, he's trying to be cooler for you and you're not giving him that. I don't know. I think it just, it also is annoying because Hannah in the retcon in the 4.5 that we just read was like pretty well developed and actually an interesting character. And then this Hannah just sucks. And yeah. like, she's totally allowed to suck, but it's like, mm, okay. Um, I'm intrigued. Maybe, maybe you're right about the ghostwriter thing. I don't think there is a ghostwriter, but maybe we should look into that. We'll um, have to go see. But so that's pretty much the culmination of that is that Kate calls Hannah's father who comes to the party and is like, you are grounded and you can only hang out with Kate now. Kate, who is like, not, uh, I don't know why she would want to hang out with someone who just told everyone she has herpes, she has herpes. but it seems to be part of a larger master plan for Kate because she's like, ha ha ha, wink. Uh, and that's almost the end of the Hannah storyline. The final part of this whole situation all happens at the party. Emily is at the party with Isaac, her new beau. And it's all her classmates at Rosewood who all think that she's a lesbian. So everyone's like flirting with her and making innuendos and like making jokes. And so she finally decides that she has to tell Isaac. So she pulls him into Spencer's powder room to tell her, tell him. And she tells him that like, yeah, you know, I dated girls and I like that girl. Maya was my girlfriend. And like, and he's like totally cool with it because he's not a dickhead. Which is so refreshing and nice. So they I just like that. hang out and like make out a little bit and then they leave the bathroom. Next up is, Aria, who sees Xavier at this party. Bizarre. Why are you there? Because he's like supporting the school that uh, his new girlfriend's kids go to. Still bizarre. I don't understand why you're there. Creepy. Uh, Aria tries to escape him by once again locking herself in a bedroom. She runs upstairs and like hides in Spencer's room. And then Xavier follows her in there and is like, you're giving me mixed signals. And it's like, what mixed signal? You are dating my mom. That's the signal. The signal is you should be dating someone age appropriate for you. And instead he tries to kiss her and then is like, you're not going to tell your mom because it's going to get really uncomfortable because who's she going to believe? You or me? And I'm like, obviously she should believe her daughter what? because you are a stranger she but, just met last week. But but Ella does know about Ezra. Yeah, and then as Ella's like, why didn't you tell me about Ezra? And I'm like, how about because you were icing your own daughter out and making her live at her boyfriend's house because you were mad at her over something that she kind of was strong-armed into by another adult man in her life? But then Arya decides that... Anyway. Xavier wins my award for shittiest adult in this book. Oh, he's the shittiest adult in all of the books thus far, I would say. Yeah, weird manipulative sex past. Ugh, scary. Um, I forget how the girls end up outside. So Spencer ends up outside because she gets a note from A and like has a realization that what she's supposed to be looking for is something that the girls buried in their therapy session, like in that little faux time capsule thing. Um, and so she goes through the secret passageway in her garage, uh, to the backyard. She has to use the secret passageway because now that, oh, so... They had gone to the Rosewood court to try to testify against Ian, but Ian never shows up. 
Right. And they're like, where is Ian? Oh, no, he skipped his house arrest. They He managed to get out because Spencer didn't tell anyone like, oh, hey, by the way, Ian came to my house. She just like kept that little chestnut to herself. So he's escaped. Everyone's like, he's on the lam. He could be hiding anywhere. Like he totally did it. Ah, he's a killer on the loose. So she, they've locked down this house where they're having this event. Why the event goes on, I still don't understand. It's just weird why people stuff. What? Yeah, who knows? So if anyone wants to go out to their car, they have to be physically escorted by Detective Wilden. Uh, they, one cop. Spencer, one cop. But they've got like, I assume, other patrols. It seems uh, confusing. Um, Spencer goes into her backyard and digs up the ti- not time capsule, but like what they've buried essentially. Yeah. And she's looking specifically for what do you think she's looking for? I don't remember. <laughs> I have baby so brain, got- guys. I I try. I skim through the the end part of this because I was like, must finish, must consume, so that I know what happens did not work well yeah basically what they're looking for is like this picture of oh, right yes Allie when she got like the flyer the fly. about the time capsule yeah. thing and From she's like grade. i'm gonna get it and they keep alluding to the fact that all of the the three other or the four other girls first met when they all went to Allie's backyard to try and steal the piece of the time capsule from Allie. So they're all in her backyard. Allie comes out and she's like, you're too late, bitches. Someone already stole it from me. And so then they disperse. And Spencer is looking at this picture and she sees in the background of the picture Ian and he does not look like he's looking at Allie with any sort of like malice or aggression. And so Spencer's like, that's the proof that he didn't kill her. And I'm like, that's before they started hooking up. So no, it's not. What are you talking about? Uh, Very confusing. Yeah, I remember the photo thing now and i i I, because there because it was another photo that was on the mantle that made her remember that there was more stuff in anyway she then she gets a message from ian to meet him in the woods because he has something to show her sounds like a smart idea go meet the murderer in the woods even though i guess now you're convinced that he's not the murderer um but then Officer Wilden told Emily that Spencer is missing. None of the girls have seen her for third. And also, like, these girls are, like, try- they're, like, not really hanging out anymore. They, like, kind of are, but they kind of aren't. Like. Yeah, they, they all say, like, oh, if we get more A texts, we're going to tell each other, right? And then they don't. And then Emily and Aria try to tell other girls, and they're like, we're not talking about this. I'm like, what? you're an idiot. What are you, the Scooby gang? You can't split up. So the four, the three other girls are like, oh, no, Spencer's missing. We need to go find her. So they also go outside where the killer presumably is. And they go into the woods because they hear a yelping sound. And they go further and further into the woods. Arya remembers that she was in these woods last when after Allie told her, you know, there's no there's no more uh, time capsule bit or uh, flag for the Rosewood Day thing. Uh, she goes in the woods. She sees Jason, Allie's older brother, who in the flashbacky memory yeah. of the time capsule reveal, he had yelled at Ian for saying someone is going to kill Allie over the flag piece. And Arya was like, I love Jason. He's so deep and emotional yeah. and romantic. She like became obsessed uh, so with him. 
we get to see a the first inklings of older man fascination in Arya, but b also like that was an undue reaction out of Jason, a little bizarre. Um, and I feel like it's kind of a weird like Arya's character. I think gets retconned a lot in this, but so they go into the woods. They go into the woods and they find Spencer over Ian's dead body. Hey, he's Bubba. been dead for a while. Yeah, no, it's like it's not like Spencer's hovering over his freshly killed corpse. It's like no, she stumbled upon his. Very dead body, which is like bodies in woods. Toby died in the woods. Crazy. Yeah, there are secrets in the woods. <laughs> and ticks. Yeah, I was going to sing some Sondheim stuff, but probably good that I don't do that. Um, That's fine. Uh, they get a text from A, and A is basically, A tells them Ian had to die. Ba, ba, he knew too much. He, knew he had too to much. go. Um, what else happens? Oh, afterwards, Aria. Spencer gets an update from the baby adoption website. Yes. That someone wants and to And she that. also confronts her parents. She's like, I know I was adopted. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? But then they don't proceed to explain any, anything. anything. They're just like, get out of here. Go back to the library where all the other teens are underage drinking. And Aria decides to move back in with Meredith and Byron. To get away from creepy Xavier, which is a smart idea for her. Yeah. And we get some more clarification around the JV field hockey thing. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It matters to me. Okay. Also, apparently when Arya was in fifth grade, she was trying to, this was like before they became friends with Allie. She was trying to find a clique to belong to, which is not true of Arya because she says that she always was like, Always too weird for people. Independent until she found Allie. And then when Allie disappeared, she then tried to fit in and then was like, oh, never mind when they moved to Iceland. But apparently the fifth grader she was trying to fit in with would smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Outside of like the (laughs) 7-Eleven. I'm like, what are you talking about? Also, allegedly Ian in this version of the timeline broke up with Melissa rather than the other way around. Um, And apparently Spencer's parents never reinstated her credit cards, even though that did happen in the first book. Um, also, Arya starts referring to all the girls as, quote unquote, typical Rosewoods, capital T, capital R. I did not like that. It's like, that's a little on the nose. It wasn't great. There was a lot of stuff in this book that I was like, this is poorly written. This one was bad. Um, I like that it it moved the plot along a lot. It did. But which felt necessary. Like, it did feel like there are chunks going in the right direction. What do you think the illegitimate child thing with Spencer is. I think that it's Spencer's dad had an affair with Jessica De Laurentiis and something, something, one of those kids ain't right. We'll see. But I think I might be absorbing a lot of that from the show. So we'll see. We'll see. Because I also think that uh, Allie has a secret twin sister before she moved to Rosewood because they moved to Rosewood and she was in third grade. And then sometimes they'll be looking at pictures and they'll be like, that doesn't look like Allie. And then they'll be like, oh, wait, no, it does look like Allie. So that I think I also got from the TV show. Um, Also, want everyone who's listening to note that Courtney has never seen the TV show. She has watched... I've seen some of the TV show. She has more recently watched Mike's Mike like breakdown two hour like breakdown of the show so multiple part two hour breakdown please put some respect on his name okay anyway 
Um, that's what she's pulling most of her information from. Um, I also read the fan wikis. Yeah. I mean, you have to read the fan wikis. Just to also like to get your mind around some of the plots sometimes because it jumps around so much that it's like, how? Uh, yeah. But yeah. Do you have any questions for me? I know usually we have some questions after this book. No, I think all of the stuff that I've just mentioned about the fifth graders smoking cigarettes and the JV field hockey thing. Well, you didn't say the JV field hockey thing. Because you said it wasn't relevant. I don't think it's relevant. But anyway. So why would uh, I elaborate on it if you were like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) I I don't give a shit. Um, Well, for the rest of the audience who does care about the JV field hockey lore, apparently at Rosewood, every year one sixth grader is allowed to be on the JV field hockey team. And that year, Allie was the sixth grader who was selected because she was friends with the older girls on the field hockey team, which is confusing to me because maybe like an eighth grader on the JV field hockey team, but like why is... So there's, is there just one sixth grader and then all high school? Or is it like one sixth, one seventh, one eighth, and then the rest of the high school? It's very confusing. Yeah. I mean, we were able to play JV sports when I was in middle school. So I played JV lacrosse seventh and eighth grade um, because I made it. But it wasn't like there was a limit. It was just like you had to be good enough. So you could try out. But um we also like my school middle school was just seventh and eighth it wasn't sixth so i don't know if it would have been like that had there been sixth graders allowed um but yeah i don't know uh you know i do feel like this was a good stepping stone of a book to get us further along plot wise but there was definitely some I, I could have do- gone without the entire Xavier plot line. Yeah. Can Arya please catch a break? Could she just date a teenager again? None of these girls should date anyone. No. Yeah. These girls, you know what? They probably all need psychiatric help at this point. Yeah. But I'm still really suspicious of that therapist that Spencer was seeing who was trying to. Oh, I'm suspicious of her. all. Of, yeah. the psychi- I think they need different psychiatric help. Maybe some sedatives. Poor children. And probably to move. They should probably move towns. Yeah, new schools. At least. Uh, But yeah. Courtney, do you want to tell me your State of the Union, what your in and your out is for the week? Yeah, if you don't have a fashion moment. Oh, shit. I do. Kind of. Not a good one. What's your fashion moment? Tell me yours. Mine is just the fact that Allie, as a fifth grader and therefore maybe 11 years old, is wearing three-inch platform heels. What are you talking about? That was a good one. Um, Mine is all the times that Hannah is reminded of Mona throughout her day because they all have to do with, like, a thing that Mona gives her. Um, Hannah was reminded of Mona practically every moment of her day when she let out Dot to run around the frozen backyard in the Burberry plaid doggy coat Mona had gotten him as a birthday gift last year. Also, Dot is a boy. Just want everyone to know that. Yeah. Um, When she opened her walk-in closet and saw this silver Jill Stewart skirt she'd borrowed from Mona and never returned. When she looked in the mirror, attempting to say, Marion, who's their um, group psychiatrist, Marion's lame-ass chance we saw and saw the teardrop earring she and Mona had stolen from Banana Republic last spring. 
She saw something else, too. The faded Z-shaped scar on her chin from when Mona had hit Hannah with her SUV. <laughs> so those are all That's of Mona's really little funny. gifts. But I was just like, I can I make... Can I make yeah. one honorable mention? dismension sure. of Arya's party outfit to the oh, party at Spencer's yes. house? Because this really pisses me off. So mm-hmm. in addition to calling all these girls, quote unquote, typical Rosewoods, Arya shows up. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Hastings had all but shoved her in there in the library when she'd arrived. But what did she really have to say to a bunch of prissy, typical Rosewood girls in designer gowns and Cartier jewels they'd stolen out of their mother's trousseaus? Did she really want them judging the long black backless silk dress she was wearing? What? It's, what do you? It's a black slip dress. Sorry, so you're wearing like a sexy black dress, and you're afraid that your college, your classmates are gonna be like, "Why are you wearing a dress to a party?" Like they're all also wearing dresses, and we get a shot of Naomi Riley and kate and one of them's wearing a white strapless floor length dress one of them is wearing like a green shiny dress so like they're all wearing dress Arya, you're not special yeah no that was annoying um i'm just looking through my highlights and there's some other funny highlighted things that i did emily's dad for christmas he gave her a tin of tea because he heard that lesbians like tea instead of coffee <laughs> um <laughs> and- my lesbian friend would ha- beg to differ <laughs> It's like, what? Um, I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cute. Um, th- there's like a thing where like Arya says that her favorite artists are Max Ernst, Magritte, and MC Escher. And you know who that reminded me of? Um, Dan Humphrey? No, Jenny. When she paints all those photo, those paintings of Nate. Oh, yeah. Nate, but in different art styles. Yeah. Um, that that was a f- throwback to, for me. And then... um. Oh, Isaac's super into astrology, <laughs> which I think is so cute. He like knows, he like asks Emily her sign. She says she's a Taurus and he goes, oh, I'm a Virgo. That means we're compatible. And he says, my aunt's into, into astrology. She's at her house all the time. She does my chart a couple times a year. I've known about my moon and rising signs since I was six. She'll do your chart too if you want. How adorable. Yeah, that was cute. And so she should have taken that as a good sign. Like maybe he would not be homophobic. Right. How can you be in church and also in two moons? Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. That's all I've got. Do you want to tell me your state of the union? I'm sorry. I jumped ahead. No, it's okay. My state of the union is kind of lame. My in is rain. It rained. So this past weekend, October 14th, was Lisa's wedding. Lisa being my best friend from high school. And it rained all day. The whole day. It rained. Um, Not even us. Like it misted lightly where she tried to do this uh, sparkler exit did not let up. It was like, no, it's too wet outside. It's it's still misting. It's still raining. Uh, but I thought that it was like kind of romantic. And like, we all yeah. still had a ton of fun. It's so definitely is going to make lighting the better for nice. photos for sure. Yeah. And then uh, my out is being sick, as you can all hear in my voice. Um, I've been turning on and off my microphone periodically to cough and like hack up a lung. Sorry, I've Claire. I've been there. I've definitely recorded it with less voice than you have now. So I'm sure people will be fine. They can accommodate. Um, but if you guys have any cold remedies for Courtney that she is not already trying, which is fluids and rest, let her know. Um, my state of the union for the week, my in, I had one and now it is gone. Um, oh, my in is support systems. Um, I'm going to have a baby soon and I'm building my little support system. And I met with my psychiatrist today and that was good. And I feel good about it. And I'm feeling supported so that's a yay 
And then my out is uh, brain fog. That's my out. <laughs> the fact that I can't put I two words say, together. I was going to say didn't. If you didn't say it, I was going to be like, is it maybe it's bad. It's bad being right pregnant? <laughs> it's No, it's just the brain fog is so bad. Like, I can't, like, like, I, in order to, it's the weirdest thing. In order to read, I have to be doing something else. And a lot of times it's eating. So, like, if I'm eating a snack, I can then read. But if I try to sit down and I try to read something and without, like, also doing something else, I cannot explain why this is happening. I can't do it. Like, my brain will not focus. And there's so many things right now that I just cannot get my brain to tune in on. It's like when you're trying to find a radio station and you keep passing it, you know, probably haven't had to do this in years, but when you used to have to use a little dial to find the radio station and you could hear the song and you know the music was coming through, but you could never get on the exact right station. So there was always a little bit of static. Mm -hmm. That is what my brain is working like right now. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had to manually use a dial to get to radio, but I did drive a car this weekend for the first time I in saw. Over years. And you didn't that crash shit goes it. Crazy. No, I'm not a bad driver. Everyone's like, Courtney, bad bad driver, bad uh, When was the last time everyone else had a car accident or got a parking ticket or a speeding ticket? Not me. Well, you if can't. you don't drive, you don't get a parking ticket. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Best driver this side of the That's Mississippi. That's not how that works. <laughs> it's absolutely how that works. My record's okay. clean. Okay, Courtney. Um, I got way more parking tickets when I used to drive a car. Sure. Okay. What is the next book in the Pretty Little Liars series? What are we covering next week? It's Killer. Mm. They really went for it. Really, all the innuendo there. Really had to reach. Um, until then, where can they find us, Courtney? They can find us on Twitter at WittyPod, on Instagram at WittyCommittiePod, on TikTok at the Witty Committee. On our website, thewittycommittee.com, or at our email address, wittycommittiepod at gmail.com. We hope you guys tune in next week as we continue to judge the mean girl right back. Oh, well, possibly next week. There might be a... Oh, yeah. Claire might be on there might be a, time leave. There might be a slight hi- hiatus. I think that we won't be gone for that long because I can probably still record with a new baby, but we will let you know. But we hope you join us next time as we continue to judge the mean girl right back one book at a time. Bye-bye. Mm, wait, wait, baby sounds.